Well, I hope that you are making plans to enjoy uh, this, this holiday, the, this Memorial Day uh, weekend. So as this day, we, we remember those that uh, served in the military. I've reflected on the different wars that uh, our nation has experienced and, and how some of those, the, the end of them, not just whether or not we won or lost, but, but our, our nation responded in different ways. World War II was a, 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 a time of celebration. Whenever the, the men that were serving during that war, whenever they returned, they, they celebrated, our nation celebrated with them. In fact, we have an entire generation that is a remembrance of the fact that we celebrated as a nation. The, the baby boomer generation is the, the, the mark that, that they came home and they celebrated. And then Vietnam. And not only did, did the war go differently, but uh, our nation responded differently. And those of you that were alive during that time can, can speak to it more than what I I, I am able to, just from what I've heard and read, that, that in a sense our, our nation almost entered into a, a time of depression. And the soldiers, they didn't come back and celebrate. In fact, some shared stories about being spit upon because they served in that war. Depression and uh, PTSD was, was sky high for, for those men. Domestic violence for uh, those men that served in the military during that time, it, it, it escalated. Something that wasn't present with those during World War II. And it's led uh, a lot of people to, to speculate and wonder, what, what is the difference between the way that, that our nation responded, what, the way that those soldiers uh, responded whenever they came back from those wars? And there are a number of factors that contribute to that, but one of the factors that is interesting, that is theorized that contributed is that at the end of world war ii whenever the soldiers whenever the war ended the soldiers they got on a boat and they made a a month and some sometimes two month long journey back to the united states but when vietnam ended those soldiers boarded a plane and within days they were back home i don't i don't know what it was like for those soldiers, to be on a boat for a month, but I can only imagine that they had time to spend with their, their brothers, to weep of the, and to mourn the losses that took place. And those returning from Vietnam, they, they did not have that. They didn't have that time to decompress. They didn't have the time to, to process what it was that they had experienced, what it was that they had witnessed. And participated in. That there's something that is dangerous to us as human beings whenever we go straight from full on activity to another full on activity. This sermon this morning is about Sabbath, it is about rest. I don't think it's coincidence that it takes place on a holiday weekend. Habakkuk 2, verse 20. In the in midst of, of turmoil and chaos, the prophet says, 
The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Today, we don't just remember, we don't just memorialize the soldiers, but we remember that the Lord is in his temple. Let me spend a moment in prayer with us, with you, to invite the Lord's presence. Father, we recognize that you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. That you created us in, in all of our majesty. That you, you created us with the ability and the desire to work. And you also created rest. God, we invite you acknowledging that you are already in this place, but we invite you to awaken our awareness to the fact that you are in your temple. Father, give us the rest that we so desperately need through Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to stand We'll read together our communal reading from Romans 12, and then we'll continue in song together. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. One of the most important processes whenever a people form into a nation is the creation of some form of of code of conduct. We, we typically call that a, a constitution, a set of laws that, that is going to govern this people. This is how they're going to be defined. This is how they're going to live in the world. And the same is true whenever God formed His people, whenever He formed the Israelites in the Old Testament. That document is contained in Exodus chapter 20. A portion of Scripture that we refer to as the Ten Commandments. And various traditions number the Ten somewhat differently. At least the first uh, three get numbered slightly differently. But they begin with verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. 
Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any uh, foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And I want to stop there. I'm not going to read all ten of them because I think it's this last one that I read. The the fourth commandment. That it seems a little bit out of place. The other nine are pretty big deals. But this fourth one about resting, it seems so bizarre to our 21st century sensibilities. There was a 1930s economist that predicted that his grandchildren would work 15-hour weeks. Essentially, they would work Monday and Tuesday, and then they would take the other five days off because he saw what technology was able to do and how it was increasing production. There were two problems with his prediction. One was that he didn't have kids, so it's kind of hard to have grandkids if you don't have kids first. The other is that it was... It lost sight with reality, lost complete touch with who we are as human beings. Read a a reporter that went and tracked down his closest living relative, which would have been his sister's grandchild, and asked if they are working 15-hour weeks. The grandchild was a professor and laughed at the question and said, I work 15-hour days. And that's the way that we function. And our technology hasn't made it less li- or more likely that we rest more. It's actually made it less likely that we rest more. Because through our phones, we are always available. We can take Most of us, we can take our work with us. We respond to emails and calls 24-7 and we are expected to be available at all times. Netflix has produced a series of shows titled Black Mirror that is a a kind of speculative sci-fi show that looks at if technology is just left unchecked and the worst comes of it. These are the kinds of stories that the Creator imagines. In an interview with The Guardian, the the creator of the show revealed how he came up with the title for the show, Black Mirror. He said that whenever you look at at your phone or your your television or your your, uh, iPad, your laptop, any, any device, whenever you look at it and it's off, it looks as if it is a black mirror. He said there's something cold and horrifying about that and it was such a fitting title for the show. My question is, why is that such a a cold and horrifying thought? Why is it so cold and horrifying to, to think about our devices 
being turned off. Maybe it's because we don't like to turn off ourselves. We, we expect that we should be working all the time. Steve Harvey recently made waves throughout the internet uh, because on his show, he proclaimed that, that you should not sleep eight hours a day. That you cannot acquire any amount of wealth and sleep eight hours a day. That that is a third of your life just wasted. But did you realize that before the invention of the light bulb, the average person slept 11 hours a day? And some of us are sitting there thinking, man, we long for that kind of day again where, where we could sleep for 11 hours. Now, the Bible does have a word for a, a Sabbath without work. It refers to that, that word as, as laziness. But the Bible also has a word for work without rest. The Bible calls that slavery. And it's not just the culture that has lost the Sabbath, but we have as well. You know, there used to be such a thing known as uh, blue laws. I, maybe some of you have heard of this before. I, I'd never heard of it until I started researching. The, our government created laws that, that, uh, that regulated the, the, the types of businesses that could practice, on, particularly on Sundays. In fact, in the state of Texas, uh, alcohol and car dealerships are still not allowed to, uh, to, to practice, or alcohol is not allowed to be sold. Car dealerships are to be closed on, on Sundays. And yet, you see that less and less. But don't fool yourself into thinking that it's culture that's gone awry. It is us. As the church, we have lost the Sabbath. Let me illustrate what I mean by that, by, by just thinking about the way that we view the Ten Commandments. We argue over whether or not the Ten Commandments should be displayed in public places. But the reality is, we viewed them not as a Ten Commandments, but we actually would view them as nine commandments and one slightly outdated suggestion. Consider just my job. If I were to break the Ten Commandments, if I were to have an affair, I would likely lose my job. If, if I were caught stealing, it would be likely that, that I would lose my job. But what would happen to me if I, if I, if I broke the Sabbath? If I broke the fourth commandment? You know what would likely happen to me? I would receive a raise. Because we glorify people that work all of the time. And it's hard for us to, to stop working because it requires incredible amounts of trust. I read of a church that, that had done some evaluation. They'd realized that, that they had just been going all uh, nonstop. And that they'd, they'd had so many activities, so, scheduled so many events that they were just wearing their church out and they decided to just cancel all activities, including worship, for a month. You can imagine... 
the kinds of anxieties that pop up whenever you make that kind of decision. Are, are, are people going to find another church to go to? And that's the same fears that you have whenever you wrestle with, do I, do I go in to work today or do I actually take this time of rest? Because you fear that you're going to be left behind. The interesting thing is that throughout scriptures, you, you will never see God or Jesus being described as busy. The one entity that's described as busy is Satan. In Job 1, there, there's a scene where, where uh, God is up in heaven and Satan appears before him. God asks the question, Satan, what, what have you been up to? And in verse 7, Satan replies and says, I've been busy going to and fro about the earth. That he has been busy. But here is the truth that we all need to grasp. That if you don't take the Sabbath, if you just view the Sabbath as something that is optional, if you don't take the Sabbath, the Sabbath will ultimately take you. In 1793, France, in order to try and increase productivity, they dechristianized the calendar. They erased the seven-day week calendar, and as a government, they issued a new 10-day week calendar. And they forced people to work nine consecutive days, and then they would get one day off. And it was a complete failure. Suicide rates skyrocketed. Productivity actually decreased, and people, they, they were burned out with their jobs. Because whenever you don't take a Sabbath, it will wear you out. You may tell yourself the lie of, of I'll rest whenever I get to heaven, but the only thing that that does is ensure that you will get there sooner. Michael Hyatt is an example of that. He was an executive uh, at a, a publishing company in Manhattan whenever he was sitting down to lunch with a colleague. During the, co during the, the lunch, he began to experience uh, chest pains. And it finally reached a level that he had to tell his colleague so that they would leave the meal. Now, I've had meals with colleagues where I, I, I maybe thought about faking chest pains in order to get out of the meal with them, but, but that's not what happened to him. He was actually experiencing the chest pains, went to the emergency room, they ran all the tests, and everything came back clear. There was nothing wrong. Over the next year, he made two more trips to the emergency room. And everything was fine. And finally, his doctor sits down with him and says that you have two problems. One is acid reflux, and the other is stress. That you are taking your work with you all the time and it is killing you. My guess is you probably know someone like that. God created the Sabbath and He created us for 
rest. There are times in the Bible whenever the, the people refuse to take a rest and eventually it catches up with them. In 2 Chronicles 36, verse 21, as a part of the recognition of the, the, the judgment that has fallen on the Israelites, that they have been taken captive, they've been removed from the land, God says that the land enjoyed its Sabbath. That finally, because you refuse to do this, now I'm going to make sure that the Sabbath takes hold of you. Psalm 127 verse 2 says that in vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for He grants sleep to those He loves. Many of you enjoy listening to music. You're captivated. You, you uh, just get lost in music. But think about it. The beauty of music is not found in the noise, it's found in the rest. If you didn't have the rest, the, the, the breaks in between the notes, you would just have a bunch of noise. But instead we call it music because of the rest. So as we wrap up this study of technology, let me remind you of something that you may have forgotten that your devices, they actually can power down. That your phone has a button on the side of it or on the top of it, and if you hold it down long enough, it will actually turn off. And let me encourage you to do that one hour a day. Maybe it's at mealtimes, but, but to unplug from the technology one hour a day and one day a week. And if you really want to get crazy... Do it one week a year. And I know that the thought of that, it, it raises some of our anxieties. The question is, if I'm not on my phone, if I don't have the TV on, what am I going to do? Which is an indication that we have lost our sense of identity as human beings because we think of ourselves as human doings. But let me leave you with three ingredients, the three things that, that take place on the Sabbath. The first is a, a stop, a, a ceasing, a rest. Ultimately, the Sabbath is intended to be an opposite day. You, you remember opposite day whenever you were, you were kids. That, that whatever you said, it was the complete opposite of that. And how you practice the opposite day on the Sabbath is that if, if your work is very labor-intensive, then you take a rest from that labor. Or maybe your work, is, it's more mental, it, it's, it's more of an intellectual pursuit, and rest for you is not going to be sitting down and reading a book. Rest may be something physical. I've shared with you before that I have learned that, that rest for me is getting out and mowing the yard. Because of the nature of my work, because I spend so much of my time studying or I spend my time talking out loud or talking in conversation with people, that I find a great rest in, in just the, the hum of a lawnmower. 
You see, in the narrative of Jesus, that the people have created all of these rules of what you can and cannot do, and he reminds them that Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so don't conjure up in your mind the, this perfect image of what the Sabbath should look like, but instead view it more as, as an opposite day. Once again, in Exodus 20, verse 9, God says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day. But the seventh day is a Sabbath. It's a ceasing to the Lord your God. The second thing is, is to include some form of, of pleasure, of, of delight. A Jewish tradition holds that on the Sabbath day, a, the father would take a spoonful of honey and give it to each of his children on the morning of the Sabbath so that they are reminded of the sweetness of God. For years, our family has had pancakes on Saturday mornings. Most Saturday mornings, we're rushing out the door in the morning and at best, we get a bowl of cereal. But on Saturday mornings, it's a little more relaxed and we are able to have pancakes few years ago that the responsibility for making the pancakes got passed off to me and my children love my pancakes because they are what they call creamy in the middle <laughs> now what they don't seem to understand and my wife continues to try and tell them is that it's not supposed to be creamy in the middle that that means that it's undercooked but they love it and what I need to work better at is connecting the sweetness of those pancakes so that they begin to connect that with this is what God is like. That they begin to, to look forward to the day of Sabbath. Because what we have often done is, is we create this day and, and we say that it has to be you go to church and you go home and you, you nap and you can't do anything else. And you may remember growing up in a home like that and telling your parents, I'm not tired. I don't want to take a nap. And they, they hate the day of the Lord. Psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge. Blessed is the one who rests in God. And Peter picks up this notion when he encourages us to, to crave spiritual milk. And he says, now that you, verse 3, have tasted that the Lord is good. According to rabbinic teaching, there were a number of activities that were off limits, but one activity that was almost required was that a husband and wife would have sex together. Of all the things that, that, that they view as work, they include that because they want you to enjoy the pleasures of God. And for those of you that are single, what this means is that, that you get to, to think about what, 
what it is that, that brings you pleasure. That, that pleasure may come from, from being alone. The, the pleasure may be from, from being with others. Whatever it is, think about what it is that, that brings you delight, that brings you joy, and include it into the weekly rhythm of your life. Because God created the weekend. The, the beer commercials, the vacation packages, they have, they've stolen this idea of thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's the weekend. But God is the one that created the weekend. And He created it for your good. And because of that, we worship. That's the third activity that we include on the Sabbath is, is worship. I find it interesting that, that the first day of human life was a day of rest. God created Adam and Eve on the sixth day, and the very first day, He doesn't tell them, go and work. He tells them, okay, let's rest. And that ordered the, the Hebrew thought. They would begin their day not with the morning, but with the evening. Because that is the, the first hint of the Gospel. In all other areas of life, you are told, get your work done, and then you can rest. But God says, rest, and then you can work. Whenever you power off your phone, if you have an iPhone, and you turn it back on, the irony is that it displays an apple with a bite taken out of it. It's almost as if they are intentionally drawing us back to the creation story. Trying to remind you that all week long, you've been eating of the wrong tree. And this morning, I want to invite you to eat of the tree of God. Some of you are tired. And I don't want you to leave without receiving the rest. The rest that God only offers. To stop living in the way that the world says that you have to function. Some of you, you own businesses or you are managers and you have control over the expectations that, that go on in, within your organization. Begin to set those expectations for your, those that work for you. Don't expect that they respond to your emails, to your texts, whenever they're on vacation or whenever they're off. Don't just do it for you, but do it for others. Trust that God is going to be good enough to make sure that if you honor Him in this way, that He will provide what you missed out on. There may be some that you need to rest in Jesus. You need not just the, the one day rest, but you need to leave with the certainty that you can rest for eternity. That you are in a, a a right relationship with God. We're going to sing about being still. 
Some of you may just need to sit in your seat and allow the rest of us to sing over you, to sing these words of encouragement that God is still in His holy temple. That He still is is making sure that you are cared for. Or maybe you need prayer. So you can go to one of the shepherds. If you'd like to be baptized, we, we would love to, to help you with that. We invite you to come as we stand and sing together.